Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen and welcome to a live edition of Way in Sports Talk. I am your host Brian Tarvin and we are on Thursday night tonight or this week instead of Wednesday. Thanks for everybody joining in tonight. Uh, it's been a long, tough, very tough week, but you know what? We made it. It's Thursday. I'm so glad we're able to do a show tonight. Hopefully Trey will join us momentarily. And we have a great guest coming on tonight with us, Sean Robert, Amanda Huckstein. They're coming on to discuss some recruiting with us, uh, their new business. And we have a lot to discuss tonight in the college football weekend coming up. We've been anticipating the the selection committee's polls every week. But, you know, there's so much football left to be played in so many big games. And this is the Big 12, and it's also the Big 10's chance to – you know, to eliminate themselves or to or, or make a step in the right direction to, to be selected. TCU, Kansas State, one of the biggest games of the year so far. Two great teams battling it out. We'll discuss that game in detail. Ohio State, Michigan State. I'm from the school if Ohio State beats Michigan State, which I do think, I think they will. The Big Ten's out of the playoff. Uh, one loss, Ohio State, is not strong enough to get into this playoff. And I want to hear what all of you think. So this could be bad for the Big Ten this weekend. We're going to break down some of their big games. But if Ohio State goes into East Lansing, they beat Michigan State with that loss to Virginia Tech on their resume. Remember, this is the first ranked team Ohio State will play all year. What is that going to say about what is that going to say about the strength of this conference? It's just a lot could happen this weekend in sports. Trade made a great list out for us. I want to welcome Jason Humphrey, Paul Ewing in the studio. They haven't hit number one to talk, but they're listening in. Bear with me. If I if I sound like I can't breathe, then it, it could be true, but I'm going to do my best tonight. And, Trey, when you're ready to come on, press number one. And we'll get you on. But Trey did a good job this weekend with some games. And I'm tired of him putting that number 10 game out there. Iowa, Minnesota. He always puts the game on there that I, I miss. There's there's not a doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm about to take over the the scheduling, Trey, and the picking these games because you trip me up every week on game 10. Yeah, game 10 is tricky again. I mean, I, I do seem to find an act for finding a very tricky but interesting game. And this week, Iowa and Minnesota, real tricky, real interesting, too. Well, Trey, I want to start out tonight in in college football. And, you know, ever since Saturday when Florida took care of Georgia, um, you were on the show Sunday night. I hope everything's going good with you. But I talked about it, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even today, there's a lot of upset Georgia fans right now. And, you know, the temperature in, in Athens right now with Mark Rick, people are getting fed up with every year. They they seem to lay an egg once or twice a year. They lose to somebody they're not supposed to lose to, and they get embarrassed. And if you go back, you'll you'll see that they do this every year. And it reminds me of Tommy Tuberville at Auburn. 
every time he seemed to have a team that was that could compete and win an SEC championship, he would lose to someone like Arkansas or Kentucky or Vanderbilt. Trey, I mean, should Mark Rick be concerned, number one? And, and number two, should Georgia fans be upset? Well, I think any coach is going to be concerned in the SEC or in a big-time program like Georgia who loses a game like that, you know, unranked team. Uh, however, uh, you know, I still think Rick is a good coach there. He runs probably one of the two cleanest programs in the nation, which uh, you got I give a lot of credit to given the fact that he's able to put a pretty good program together, you know, with kicking so many guys off. Uh, but he's got he's to end up winning, and he's got to win the SEC to start with. So, you know, he's got to start there, Tarvin, and until he does, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's like they're running. Georgia fans want to uh, – Trey, I'll bring you back home when you can talk. But it uh, seems like Georgia fans want a Boy Scout troop. They want everything to work out perfect. They want the – they want the players that play at Duke and Vanderbilt. They want the smart kids. They want the the kids that never make mistakes, but they want championships. And Georgia fans, you need to pick which one you want right now. You cannot have a perfect program with, with choir boys in there and expect to win championships. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's not going to happen. It's a new day and age. So you need to decide whether you want to, you know, have some not just troublemakers, but you're going to have people get in trouble the, the better the athlete, the, the bigger the five-star, the more baggage that comes with these players. Rick's in a in a predicament here. I, I do respect him for what he's done, you know, how he's run his program, but don't let him fool you. I think a lot of people think that this guy does no wrong. He's all about class, but Mark Rick, as long as I've known football, and, and I remember earlier in the year, Josh Shaw, he's one of our listeners, thought I was a hater because – you know, everybody was talking about Georgia making the playoff after they beat Clemson, how great they were. And, and I was just like, no, this is Georgia. And I've seen this for a long, long time. Georgia's going to lose a game or two. They shouldn't lose, but they're going to beat teams usually that they shouldn't beat. So Auburn comes in in two weeks next Saturday to Athens. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all with Gurley back that, that they spoil Auburn season. But I guarantee you it didn't surprise me at all that they got beat by Florida Trey and, and and I think these fans need to choose. Do you want to do you want some choir boys on your team or do you want to win championships? Well, I mean, obviously I think how you run the program matters um for a lot of fans. Rick is not going to is not going to change the way he runs his program. He's still going to kick off these guys who aren't great characters. Um you know, in the SEC the other teams are picking them up. I mean, it's just the way it is. Uh so yeah, I think for Rick, I would, I would give him more time if I'm a fan. You, you get a defensive coordinator who's legitimate now. Uh, I think they have, what, the number two class in recruiting right now, Tarvin. So, I mean, there's still good things ahead. But it is frustrating for Georgia. Cause, well, one thing, it seems like every year Georgia fans think it's the year. And I don't know why they thought that this year with Hudson Mason. Yeah, he's a senior, Tarvin. But this kid, it wasn't of the caliber to win a playoff game uh, or take a team to the playoffs. Uh, I just didn't think that was Hudson Mason there, two one-dimensional in offense. And, and, you know, the other defense is improving, but it's year one under Gary Pruitt with guys who, who aren't ready yet. So I think you have to get a better quarterback. And, you know, the running backs are there in the future for Georgia. And the defense will come along, hopefully, under Pruitt. But, you know, they still they still need some some other playmakers, and they're not there right now. Well, I went back and watched that film. And, you know, I watched it back and forth on Saturday. But I wanted to really see – 
what was going on with Georgia, what was going on with Florida. And, and you know, everybody is talking about Mark Richt, uh, the defensive coordinator, how they didn't do their job. But when I went back and watched that game, it was, the coaches can't go out there, Trey, and tackle. They can't. I mean, all Florida was doing is handing the ball off and running right at them. Georgia did not want to hit that day. So I think a lot of people are trying to blame the coaches in this situation, which I, I blame the coaches to some degree. But how can you not get up for Florida? I don't care what their record is. This is your biggest rival. This is your most hated rival. You hate them more than anybody besides probably Georgia Tech, and, and I know you hate Auburn. But, Trey, why, why do so many people, why do we blame the coaches a lot when we should be looking at the players? I mean, these guys got whipped all up and down. The, they knew what was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. So at what point do you blame the players instead of Mark Rick and the new defensive coordinator? Well, I think the players are to blame a lot for that loss. You, you know, you watch the film, you know the DNs didn't contain. They were running, you know, just very simple run plays. They were very one-dimensional. You knew what was coming. And you got DNs and linebackers who were taking very, you know, sort of short angles instead of, you know, the right angles. Uh, and they were just getting beat to the edges. You saw just a ton of bad angles, bad tackling. Uh, and, and guys who were not, they were running straight at the A-gap, for instance, uh, Florida was. You know, and you had guys, linebackers, who were just flat-footed, who, you know, didn't move as the running back was coming at them uh, and just sort of watched them go by. Yeah. There's too many plays like that. And I, and I think you're right. It all goes down to the players. Yeah, I mean, Mark Rick, he only can do so much. He has coordinators in place. And I look at that Georgia offense, and I, and I get it. Hudson Mason's not Aaron Murray. We It's not a surprise. We said that all spring, all summer all season, but this team is good enough. I don't care if I'm coaching, me and you are coaching, Trey, and you're the defensive coordinator. There's no reason not to see effort out there from these players. So you, you look at Georgia right now with two losses, they're going to have to have some luck to happen in, to, in order to get into the SEC championship game. When's the point when Georgia quits, or have they already quit? Because you see Auburn coming into town next weekend. They gave up 400-plus yards to Florida with just running the ball up the middle, how are they going to stop Auburn? I mean, in that four-quarter game, they're going to be playing, and it will be a fourth-quarter game, but how are they going to respond? I, I don't even think they'd be Kentucky this weekend. Well, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, we don't know how they're going to respond. That defense um, needs to step up. I mean, they have talented guys who really, um, you're right, didn't. it wasn't coaching. It was bad preparation and bad playing so maybe they get up for the games I don't know maybe they just took Florida for granted but I mean none of that really matters when you get beat the bat as bad as they did yeah it's, it's I have to blame the players for this it's time to back up it's time to to reevaluate yourself Mark Rick is he he needs to take some blame he has over the years but this is not a coaching issue I don't think unless Mark Rick pulled the players off and said hey we're going to beat Florida we're going to be Kentucky. Let's just prepare for Auburn, which which I don't think they would do that. I don't think coaches would do that in the SEC right now. But I'm just so sick of Georgia fans blaming Mark Rick for every little thing that goes wrong, and that's why I wanted to bring that up tonight. And there's players involved. When Auburn got lit up against Ole Miss Saturday night, do you think I was blaming Ellis Johnson? No, he wasn't the one out there diving it at ghosts trying to tackle him. I mean, he didn't do that. He he drew the play up. He he teaches them. He coaches them. Players have to execute. If Gus Malzahn calls the right play, 
and the guys aren't blocking, the receivers aren't blocking, the play is going to blow up. But he looks like a genius when it works. But coaches only can do so much. But I, I will say Mark Rick has the same tendencies that I see every season that Tommy Tuberville had at Auburn, where it's so frustrating. But Georgia, I mean, who do you think is going to win the East right now, Trey? If you had to guess right now, Missouri's in the lead, but, but they play a t- couple of tough games as well, and Georgia really only has Auburn and Kentucky left. I mean, the East is anybody's game. It's such a weak side uh, or a weak, you know, half of a conference. I mean, the, the, the fact that Missouri is even leading right now is sort of a joke. Um, but, I mean, it could be Georgia. It could be Missouri. I mean, I don't have any confidence in any of these teams to win out. I mean, I don't know if you do, Tarvin, but I see no. – I wouldn't be surprised if, if all of them played bad uh, the rest of the season and you get a three-loss team. Nothing surprises me in the East. Well, let's let's bring Sonia on real quick and and see what she's got to say about Mark Rick because I know she's been accused of, of being a hater as well. Sonia, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how are you? Doing good. Oh boy, yeah, I remember that post. That was actually um, on my wall, uh, Tarvin, when we were talking about that. And uh, Josh mm. Shaw came. Oh, you guys are just haters, and we're like, no, it's Georgia. Dude, we've been watching this team. It's not hating. We actually would love – we live here. We love to see Georgia win. Like, just – I'd love to see Rick have a win to, – to see Rick have a ring. But, again, the biggest problem, Mark Rick, very, very nice, very classy guy, just super, super nice, and that's his problem. Every great coach has a streak of ruthlessness, and he just does not have that. If he even had an assistant that had that streak, then I could see some changes, but it's it's not going to happen because he it, it's just not there in him. He doesn't have that killer, killer instinct. Well, you see Pruitt, the new defensive coordinator for Florida State. You know, he came from Florida State to Georgia. I mean, do you think Mark Rick, kind of handicapping him a little bit because he is a, a great defensive coach. He is a great defensive mind, but I'm just not seeing that on the field. And his effort from the players is what concerns me the most. Oh, yeah. I think the players are getting tired of it, too. I, I, I just don't – he has a little bit – He I think he, he holds on a little too tightly. Like he's afraid to step outside of the box. When you see Rick do something that – when you see something coming from Georgia that you're like, wow, never saw that before – it probably took an act of God for it to happen. <laughs> and sadly, that's that's going to be the problem with him. As, as long as he is the coach at UGA and as long as he keeps handicapping strong, strong assistant coordinators that he does have, I mean, UGA is just going to be UGA. And it sucks because there's too much talent on that field for them not – I mean, look at the past five years. Look at the players that have come out of UGA – and it just makes no sense that they have not gone to a national championship. So I know the dog fans are, are very frustrated. Well, you have to be. I mean, fans want championships. They Especially, I don't think Georgia fans are reaching when they trade, when they say that, that they want a championship. Because you look at recruiting year in and year out, Georgia's right there. Like Sonia said, they've got all this talent, girlies, all these defensive players, but yet – one SEC championship under Mark Rick, I believe, and that was like 2005, maybe. So that's a long time to wait for an SEC championship. 
Yeah, I mean, I think in, you know, with Aaron Murray, they, you know, I think a lot of people thought that was their chance, and you know, now they they see, okay, well, if that was our chance, you know, Gurley's got to be our chance. There's just, they can't seem to put a lot of these players together and have great runs, and I think that's what's frustrating is they've had great players. Well, Trey, I'd like to give you some credit for, you know, you said Michigan's coach would be fired by Halloween, but it was the <laughs> AD, but, but, but man, you were still close. And speaking of coaches on the hot seat, we talked about it the other night, Will Muschamp, what does he have to do real quick, Trey, to keep his job for this year at least? Uh, I think he's got to win a couple of these last games, maybe even upset Florida State. I mean, you know, the fact is, and what I think what's scary if you're, if you're a Muschamp fan or you are Muschamp, is the fact that they're 31st right now in recruiting. They have zero blue chippers out of Florida. Zero. Not a single blue chip prospect in the state of Florida is currently committed to the University of Florida. There's something to that, Tarvin. I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. That That is an indication of something. Uh, whether the recruits think that Muschamp is gone and so they just won't commit, or whether they think the program is thinking, I mean, because even Miami has a blue chip recruit out of Florida, so that, that's a very, very interesting um, stat right now of Harvard out of recruiting, which tells you a lot. Well, the coach, the players are waiting right now to see what's going to happen in Florida. I mean, all season we've heard Will Muschamp's going to be fired week after week, and these guys are not wanting to commit. Again, it, I mean, it's hard on these guys because they do commit to coaches. I, I guarantee you, I mean, people say, well, you need to commit to the school. But it's all about the coach. But if 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 Muschamp's guaranteed next year, if something happens, then you'll see some of these, not many of them, some of these top-notch recruits, you know, commit to Florida. But it's just so hard right now to say, yeah, I'm going to Florida when you don't know who the coach is going to be. I mean, Sonia, I mean, you agree with that, don't you? These guys aren't going anywhere until they know what's going to happen with Will Muschamp. Oh God, no. No, they're they're not touching Florida with a ten foot pole. You can see it just even in the current players. I mean, you've got players that are trying to to transfer out. You know what I'm saying? And and what Trey said, that stat, it is very very telling. With with Will, he is a much much better coordinator than he is a head coach. We saw it with Dooley. We are seeing it with with Will. I just to see Florida fall. The way they have fallen is just sad. I mean, it is really, really sad. And I don't think that the AD is going to try to to get rid of him now, you know, in the middle of the season. They'll just let it play out. But I would be very, very surprised to see him back next season. I really would. Yeah, if he would have beaten, you know, honestly, Sonia, if he would have beaten an Alabama, he would have beaten LSU, Auburn, Somebody like that that would be like, yeah, he's got his team back, then beating Georgia because we're just waiting on that day when Georgia, just like they did against South Carolina, they 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 drop the ball, they they lay an egg. So are Florida fans a little overreacting to Will Muschamp's win over Georgia? Should too much be read into this? I would say they are. I think they really just need to chill out right now. <laughs> it really doesn't matter who they beat. You know, they could, yeah, they could beat FSU. But Georgia's not, I mean, uh, not Georgia, Florida's not going anywhere. Let's be honest. They would no, have to not. win every single game. Just, it's just, there's just too much to overcome. And I just don't see Florida, you know, they're just, it's just like, well, this is a gimme season. 
start looking for a new head coach. I'm sure they've already started the search or, or started putting feelers out, you know, contacting some managers and stuff. But I don't expect to see him back. I think Florida, true Florida fans understand that and, and have already written it off and said, okay, it is what it is. Uh, you know, a great bow on top would just be a win here or there over a good a good team. But I just don't see it. Florida is just so unpredictable. It's almost like seeing um, Arkansas. Remember the year when uh, Petrino got fired? Yeah. And the implosion? Hmm. That's, that's, a, what this that's reminds a good me point. Of. Well, Sonia, we have a big Florida fan on the line right now. Paul Ewing. Paul, welcome to the show. Give us your thoughts about your Florida Gators right now. Will Muschamp's uh, future at Florida. I want to say good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Sonia, Brian, Trey. Hey, Paul. Hey, good evening. Hope everyone's doing good. Um, I just want to first off, I just want to go ahead and say that I was totally caught off guard by that performance from my Gators this past weekend especially for the fact that they knew what we were doing and they couldn't stop it. But anyway, on to Mustamp. I mean, obviously I appreciate everybody's opinion, you know. Everyone has their own opinion, but I really think Mustamp's mm-hmm. feet are still in the door more than than people are starting to realize. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. If if, if Mustamp finishes 7-4 and four with a lot obvious loss to Florida State, Jeremy Foley will not fire him. Um, Jeremy Foley is a must-champ backer. He realizes the problems that's with the program. It's not a defensive problem. You know, it's not a recruiting problem. I know what Trey said, but Florida did have a few blue chippers until they obviously decommitted last week of the obvious, you know, uncertainty of the program and the head coach. And they still have many four and five-star recruits that still have them listed and have voiced their, you know, support of must-champ on Twitter and social media or whatever. And, you know, Florida's still sitting there with a shot. They're not totally eliminated to go to the Atlanta. You know, if Georgia drops one yeah. and Missouri drops two and they beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina, they're in Atlanta. I mean, I know it's a long shot, but it's a possibility. <laughs> but considering last year at 4-8 and eight and a 7-4 and four season, and you also have to consider the coaches that are available, they might wind up just keeping him instead of committing to another coach that's of equal level and making a side step. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point, Paul. But you look at – you realize the problem is offense, right? You, you realize that. But every Absolutely. year that Muschamp's been there, he's had a new offensive coordinator. So, I mean, do, do, I mean, does he not understand offense enough to hire the right guy for his program and the talent he's bringing in? Because when I look at Florida now, I don't see that same talent that I did when Urban Meyer was there. I really don't. Oh, hands down. Urban Meyer is, you know, offensive guy, offensive system, special teams guy. But that's the thing. That's the understanding with Foley from what I've gathered from the little information I have access to is the the thought process is Muschamp is an offensive coordinator away from from being an elite program again. And, and, it, and it stinks to swing and miss. You know, it stinks to swing and miss on offensive coordinators. I mean, I told you, Brian, personally – coming into the year this roper guy you know he's a good deal but me and you both said there's no, there was we didn't expect big things this year in season one trying to go to a spread offense her no huddle offense you can't expect anything big so my point and i won't i won't keep talking but my point is 
with the coaches that are available out there to hire, why not just try to keep some type of continuity and build on that or try to? You know, I mean, you did improve from 4-8 and eight to a possible 7-4. and four. If you keep your head coach, you keep the same coordinators, you get some recruits in, maybe you improve. You just never yeah, know. I mean, I mean that's, a, that's a good point, Paul. I, I see your point, but fans are just, I mean, they want it now. They saw what Malzahn's done. They saw what Mullen, even though it took him a few years, they, they see coaches come in and, and hit it hit it big their first two years. And Muschamp, the defense is good, don't get me wrong. I love watching the defense. But Charlie Wise couldn't even stand up to call a damn play. He, he about passed out standing up on the sideline. And who was the, who was the last offensive coordinator? What was his name again? Brent Pease. Yeah, I mean, just – I don't trade. I mean, tell me if I'm missing something here, but the common denominator I see with Florida, maybe Muschamp has no clue about offense and, and maybe not calling the plays, but even hiring a coach. I don't see an identity out there, really, for these guys. Well, I don't think they have the personnel yet. I think Trayon Harris, and, you know, if, if he stays on the field, um, you know, for his college career, is the type of player that can run Roper's offense. Uh, they don't have they didn't have the they don't have receivers they don't have the running backs um, who are ready to go now the running backs are getting there for Florida but they still need guys blue chip guys at receiver and they need some depth at quarterback in case Trayon Harris you know off the field snares up again um, because they're really 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 um, struggling in those areas to run Roper's offense I still think Roper is the right guy for Florida mm-hmm. um, I really do but Paul I'll tell you this right now looking at Muschamp and I'm starting to become a must-champ fan in a way, the way I've seen him battle this all season long, the way he's been dogged, the way he's been just left for dead, his own fans turning on him. But Will Muschamp has has done something that I, I didn't think was possible by Will Muschamp, and that's act with class the entire time. This guy has been humbled, you know, and I think he's, I'm I'm very impressed, Paul, with what I've seen from Muschamp, the way he's turned it around, the way he's kept a positive attitude and made it about the team and not anything else outside. So you have to be proud with Muschamp right now. Totally am. You know, and two things I want to say before you continue. First, and Sonia will like this, most of the Gator fans I know <laughs> that are really behind him is because, you know, he's, he's Saban's favorite protege. You know, Saban taught him everything he knows, defense, recruiting, tenacity, what to do. It's just I promise you he's just had a real tough time on hiring coordinators. I mean, and you you asked me who that guy's name was, Brent Peace. Let's not forget that Brent Peace had the choice, and you can look it back into articles if you don't believe me or if Sonia doesn't believe me. He had the choice of Alabama or Florida, and he chose Florida to be the offensive coordinator. So Saban was prepared to hire that guy. Great that he didn't because it would have destituted their program like it did Florida. But, I mean, you know, you, you win some, you lose some. And last comment I have to say, you keep mentioning all the Florida fans, want them out, and Trey mentions them, and everyone mentions them, not just y'all two. I give you two words on why those fans are spoiled like that. Tim Tebow. All right, Paul. Great, great call, buddy. And, Sonia, one thing you said about Saban, though, I'll, I'll say, when's the last time that you've seen Saban miss on a hire? Uh, not 
recently. <laughs> yeah, even even, even Lane Kitten, even Lane Kitten is is actually doing okay right now, and I didn't think that was possible. And hell, half the Bama fan base didn't think it was possible, but but he's actually looked so far uh, to be a good hire and everything for your quarterback, developing him, calling the right plays to, to fit the strength. So, oh yeah, we're well, changing up that offense. The thing about Saban, though, Saban has the ability to see – I mean, that's what makes him a great recruiter. He can see things in people that that others can't. You know what I mean? He can see potential. He can see things like that. But I think in in certain cases, uh, and we can go back to um, – what's his name? Clowney. You know, everybody wanted Clowney. Everybody wanted Clowney. Everybody just was, was gunning for Clowney. He met with Clowney. Didn't have a great first feeling about him after that first one, and then when Clowney made the remarks, that was it. And yeah, he went on, but you saw the trouble that that uh, Spurrier had with him in South Carolina. So I think with Nick Saban, because of his of his experience, he's able to see things that others can't. He's able to see potential, uh, you know, a level or a standard or something that he can work with. So with me, I trust my coach. I mean, the man's paid to to do the job, and he's been doing a great job. So I trust. I don't question anything that that Nick Saban does. Who am I to? <laughs> Seriously. Well, Sonya, I'll ask I'll ask you a real question before we get our guest on here in just a second. If if Kiffin comes out this week on the road and and lays an egg, how long is it going to take for us to hear the fire lane Kiffin uh, words going around? You're going to hear that anyway, just like you heard the fire Saban, which was the stupidest thing. That, those chants come from, I call them the 2009 fans. Those are the fans that showed up when we won the national championship in 2009 and swore up and down that they are diehard fans, that they want results, and they want them quickly. That's who you're going to hear that from. you got to give a man a chance. It's like, it's just, it's not that serious. <laughs> No, but it's going to be good. And stay on with us. We'll break down the Bama game, and I'll bring you back on in just a few. Trey, I mean, both Sonia and Paul made some made some valid points. So your guess right now, Trey, will Muschamp be the coach of Florida after this year if he goes seven and four? I think he will. I, I I'll look at their last three games after Florida State, uh, and I see I see winnable games. I mean, South Carolina doesn't scare me. You know, Western Kentucky or wherever they're playing doesn't scare me, and certainly Vanderbilt doesn't either. So, I think I think Florida has a shot to win some win most of those games. Yeah, I mean, but but am I wrong? Have, have you? I know you hate Florida, being a Florida State fan, but have you kind of admired Will Muschamp for the way he's handled this season so far? Because I do. Well, I, I mean, I do. I don't have anything against Will Muschamp. I think he's been a classy coach. I mean. Certainly not the Steve Spurrier type of you know anti coach for the Knowles, um, but I think I think him and Roper are the right decisions if you're a, if you're Florida. I just I think it's, you know with anything these days these programs and these, the way these kids are recruited, you just generally can't do it in a year unless you have something in the cupboard. And, and Florida had some had some lapses you know in in depth, and it takes time to recover from that. And also you know Paul mentioned that they're, they're recruiting. Uh, was hurt by the coordinators, and you know you got to have the right guy in that regard as well. Well, I have a question. You you tell me your guess here. Two years from now, when we're talking about head coaches, who's going to be the most successful coach we're discussing? Butch Jones at Tennessee, or Will Muschamp at Florida? 
Mm. Good one, huh? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because I, I honestly don't think Muschamp's you know worth throwing away. I, I think he has a shot. Um, and I'm not you know I'm not so you know Butch Jones is building, but we haven't seen it rise up yet, and so it's hard to say that you know they're going to be great in a couple of years. I mean, you, know, you never know. I mean, we we've seen programs build but never actually you know finish it. So um, yeah, I don't know. Florida seems to bounce back quicker than Tennessee to me. All right, well, we're going to bring our guest on right now, Sean Bowers, Five Star Sports, Inc. I believe this is him. Sean, hope all is going well with you. How's everything? Oh, it's going well, Brian. How are you? Thanks for having us on the show again. Oh, thanks for coming. Sorry we had to reschedule last night. It was a crazy day, and, and I wanted to give you some time, and we didn't do a show. So thanks for for coming on short notice and, and rescheduling with us. Is Amanda going to be here shortly as well? I think she's on now. I, I, I saw it anyway, so hopefully she's on there too. Okay, when I, when she comes on, I'll I'll be sure to bring her on, but she needs to – there she is. Let me bring her on. I have a lot of people in the studio tonight. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining us. Like I said, told Sean, thanks for being patient with me. I've had a lot going on in the last few weeks, so I'm just glad to get you back on. So, so Sean, I'll start with you, buddy. Tell us a little bit about your new website and what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we're up and running now. I know last time we were on, we were kind of getting things started, and we weren't officially up and running with just trying to get the word out. Uh, so we're up now. We've got some great packages that, uh, I wanted to kind of talk about, uh, let everybody know what's involved with them, the costs and all that, and, and uh, uh, like I said, kind of let everybody know what's, what's out there for them. Sure, go right ahead. I'm interested. Okay, great. Well, our, uh, we have three packages we offer. We have a basic one, and that's nine ninety nine a month. And in that one, the athletes can have a profile where coaches can view those profiles. Uh, they can upload pictures, uh, upload a link to a video. They can put a personal statement, which helps – you know, get the attention of the coaches to learn a little bit more about them. And then they also are able to see what, what college coaches have viewed them, uh, which is a nice feature for them at, at that, that basic plan as well. Uh, then our next one up is our premium package, and that's uh, $49.99 a month. And that includes everything that's in that basic. And then we have a, a, um, some other features in there as well. Uh, so not only um, can, you, can they tell that the coaches have viewed them, but – uh, or they can see the coaches that view them, but the coaches will know that uh, those athletes have checked out their profiles as well. Um, and then we also include unlimited phone calls and emails from one of our uh, recruiting coaches, and that really kind of gives them that personal approach to uh, the recruiting aspect so they know what's going on in the process, and that's very helpful for them. Uh, they can upload their transcripts and test scores, and then we also uh, offer some discounted rates on our individual showcases and the skills camps we have, and then we include uh, a free copy of our uh, of a five star recruiting manual that we have, and I think that's a really nice thing again too for those because you do have some athletes and families that really don't understand the recruiting process and are new to it, and this can really help them through it. Um, and then our last package, which are uh, kind of top of the line, is our five star package. So it's everything that it's included in the premium, uh, and then they get a monthly updated personal training. Uh, plan or workout plan and nutrition plan. So basically this is for athletes that, you know, junior, senior year where they can really start getting ready to go to the next level, 
train uh, as a college athlete, you know, eat right, eat like a college athlete, and really be set and ready and be prepared, uh, you know, once they become uh, part of the college program. So those are the three packages we're offering right now. We're pretty excited about them, and and, uh, we, uh, um, you know, like I said, I think there's a lot to offer in there and and kind of that personal touch, uh, you know, as far as our plans go. Well, that's, that's interesting. You didn't have these plans the last time you were here, correct? That is correct. We did not. Okay, I've, I've been reading over this. This is this is some great information, you know, and, and some great stuff. So, looking at the coaches that you you come in contact, how often are you in contact with with college coaches, setting up interviews and and whatnot for these players? Um, it really kind of depends on uh, the contact that we're having with the athletes. And, and I'll let Amanda talk a little bit about this too, but uh, really what we do is with the athletes, we're making sure that those athletes are part of the process and are actually reaching out to coaches. And then what we'll do is we'll follow up too. And if somebody is me being a former college coach, it, it allows me to kind of know what to say to the coach and, and kind of make it, uh, college coaches really don't have a lot of time. Uh, they're, they're very busy. Uh, so if I'm on the phone with them or if I'm sending an email, uh, you know, they kind of make it, uh, put all the important information, make it short, make it quick, so they understand what they're getting uh, right then and there. But the most important thing, and like I said, Amanda can talk about this more, is being a former college athlete and going through this process from that end, is that, um, you know, we're really trying to, uh, the athletes need to know what to do in this process because, again, the last thing that a college coach wants is one of those standard form letters that they're sending out to everybody and it's not personalized. Uh coaches want to know that they've researched the program and these athletes have a genuine interest and that's how that that athlete is going to be marketable so i'll kind of turn it over to amanda a little bit more to to talk about this as as far as the the contact with the coaches and what we offer from that standpoint um well brian uh as far as the contact with the college coaches you have a lot of athletes that they don't understand that they can choose where they want to go or what they want for their future a lot of them, they just think, oh, well, I'm just going to play anywhere. Or I'll just go anywhere. Um, the big thing that we try to stress to these athletes is finding the, the right school, uh, the best fit school for them as far as their academic careers um, along with their athletics. And one way to do that is you start with a, a certain process that we've drawn up, which um, includes the athletes in choosing a region of the country. So athletes need to understand, do they want to be in cold weather? Do they want to be in warm weather? Do they have a preference of where they're going to be? Do they want to be in a city? Are they okay with being in a small town where there may be 5,000 people in that entire town? Um, These are some of the questions that the athletes need to ask themselves as they try to choose these schools. And as they ask those questions, the best thing to do, they they choose a region and then they choose about 10 D1 schools, 10 D2 schools, um, 10 D3 schools, and 10 NAIA schools. Uh, from that region, and within each of those schools, they choose the conference in each school of their choices, and they go around and they find all the schools within those conferences. Now, for each school, they're going to choose, they're going to find the coach's name, their email address, their contact information. They need to find things as, does that school have my major? Um, How many, if I'm a shortstop going in for baseball, how many um, other short school, what are their ages? If they have juniors and seniors, I have a shot at playing in a year or two. Um, They need to ask themselves all these questions, get all this information, and they create a spreadsheet. And we help them create the spreadsheet to make it a little bit more efficient for them um, in this process because, like like you can tell, this process could almost be 
um, impossible to do if you don't know the right way and the right approach to take. So that's basically what we try to do with these athletes are how, how can they break it down, how can they figure out where the best fit schools are for them, and then we go after those schools and those coaches, and we, we hound them and we make those contacts. But the big thing is that those athletes are making um, those contacts and those athletes are doing their job and what it takes in the recruiting process because if they're not if they're unaware or if they're not uh, committing to it wholeheartedly then then it doesn't matter how hard we work for that athlete um not, they won't get the results that they that they need or they deserve that's some great stuff and and Sean I'll direct this question to you and Amanda can answer it as well you know, I see a lot. I'm guessing. You know, how many high school kids play football, baseball, basketball, soccer, whatnot? How how hard is it sometimes to see some of these kids never get recruited, and and they have the talent to play at the next level, but they just don't know how to do it. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of see that a lot, and it's unfortunate because you know even some of the things at the high school level, they just don't know that they can go and play. Uh, at that college level, and they don't know what to do. Now, uh, back when, you know, I was a high school athlete looking to play in college, recruiting wasn't nearly as big as it is now, um, and yet there's still people as big as it is that don't know what to do in the process, whether they be from a small town or they're somebody that maybe isn't the star on the team and they're just, you know, they're just not getting the knowledge that they need from people. So it it is difficult. And that's really kind of the basis of, of why we started this company and, and this website, which is 5SSI.com. Um, so these people can, because it's for everybody. There's a place for everybody, whether it be Division One, Division Two, Division Three, NAI, community college. Um, if you want to play and if you have the talent, you should get noticed and you should know what to do in the process and you should realize your dream and, and, and we want to help people. Uh, again, uh, nobody should be able to miss out on their dream just because they don't know what to do in the process and that's what we're here for at, at Five Star Sports. Sean, can you give us uh, how to contact, how the athletes can contact you guys on Twitter as well? Uh, you know, hey, Brian, call me off guard there. It, it's actually, a, and we have our marketing person who does the does the Twitter account, and, and I apologize, I don't have that on me because uh, she's handling that. Um, but really, the website is the easiest way to contact us now, um, and it's 5ssi.com, and there's actually a uh, link on there that says contact us. They can send us an email. It'll go directly to myself or Amanda, and, and we'll be able to, to respond to that. Um and I can actually um, uh, the email is is um, like I said, it'll go right to to her. I will respond personally to whoever tries to to contact us. We do have a Facebook page as well uh, for Five Star Sports Inc. Um, so you can kind of see things on there, and it has all our contact information, including the link to the website. And if well, they just want to send an email active. and they don't, if they just want to send an email and they don't have that, um, they're not on the website. They can it's. The email he was trying to um, let you know was info at 5ssi.com. Okay, thank you very much for that, Amanda. And I apologize for the, the Twitter question. Trey usually beats me up if if I don't mention Twitter uh, to my guests. So that's, that's Trey's fault. I'm going to blame my co-host Trey for that question. I'm blaming you, <laughs> <me>, buddy. <laughs> no, Trey, it's, Trey, it's, Trey. it's a great <laughs> It's a great question, and I, I, like I said, I, I'm I'm kind of the old school still. I still stay on Facebook, and and I stay off of Twitter because uh, it's just too much things going on on it. So, <laughs> you and me both. 
you and me both. Trey, do you have any questions for these guys? No, man. Thanks for the interview, guys. Good information for all those kids out there. Uh, absolutely. Right. And Brian, and appreciate you guys having us on the show. And like I said, the website is, is five, the number five, uh, SSI.com. Uh, look us up. Some of the things that I talked about tonight in the packages, uh, you won't see listed on, on the website. We're actually doing it uh, tonight uh, as a show. We want to kind of put it out there as a special announcement as part of your show. Wow. That's great stuff. And, and, and Sean, uh, I want to have you guys back on in the next month or two, you know, closer, especially to finding day in football and basketball, all that stuff, and get you guys back on and spread the word about your great company. That's awesome, Brian. We appreciate it, and thanks again for having us on. You're welcome. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you, Brian. All right. You'll have a good one. All right. It's a great interview, great stuff. Trey, I'm just I'm just infatuated with the recruiting and seeing these guys step up and, and help these kids. And yeah, they're making a little profit, but, you know, they're changing kids' lives. I mean, that's what I respect the most. Well, it's always interesting when you hear some of the behind-the-scenes um, you know, the, they say five star, uh, you know, this in their name, but you know, the five star guys, you know, they're not the ones. I think a lot of these people are catching, and the ones who are helping out the most. I mean, two star and a one star kid to, or maybe a small, you know, small school folks who, you know, play at a private school who, you're right, can play at a big time level, but maybe don't have the way to get their names in front of coaches and get their, you know, their real tapes and that kind of stuff to these big time programs. So. It is organizations like this that, that do bridge that gap, and so it's very interesting. Yeah, a lot of parents, you know, you know, my parents didn't know a lot about, you know, sports and recruiting, and, and I'm from a different generation too, and you are as well, but I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that if they just had some encouragement, some ways to to be in contact, to build up, and, and, and they're not just wanting you right now as a senior. They're wanting to, to get you early and build you up, show you how to make the grades, nutrition, getting in touch with the right contacts, the coaches, building your resume, your profile. And this is some great stuff, and I'm interested to follow this company. Uh, Sean and Amanda seem like great people. I can't wait to meet them in person, but, but just to watch this company grow, I'm really excited, and we're going to spread the word as much as we can to help, and, and we appreciate you all spreading the word about us as well. But, Trey, let's get on real quick to the NFL, our games. We're going to go through and warp speed zone these games until we get to the meat and potatoes of college football. But in the NFL this week, is it going to be a snoozer as, like last week was? Well, because I, I, I was don't bored. Think so. I have to admit, I was <laughs> bored last weekend. No, I think you're going to see some interesting games this week. Um, obviously, you don't see a lot of playoff teams, you know, I use that term very loosely, playing each other. But I think, you know, the Bears, the Packers, number five, to start us off with, Tarvin, it has a lot of intrigue to me. I mean, this is the Bears' season. Uh, they had a week off. It'll be real interesting to see how that offense plays. I think the Bears are going to play really well in this game. I really do. Now, you know, I've been accused of being a Bears hater now with Quinn and Cuervo. You know, remember in the season before it started, we did our predictions of the Bears, and I said, well, hell, what if they're like two and five, one and five or something? Well, they're not much better than that. But this is a Sunday night game in in Green Bay. I mean, that's not a good place if you want to try to rebound, Trey. The Aaron Rodgers is hot right now. This Green Bay team, you never know what to expect, but this is going to be a tough task to ask them to come in and win at Lambeau. Yeah, I foresee a shootout in this game. I think it's going to be high scoring. 
I think we're going to see the Bears' offense rebound in a lot of ways. Um, look for Bennett, Alshon Jeffrey, and maybe even Brendan Marshall to have decent games in fantasy. But I, I, I think the Packers win this game, um, which is going to have a lot of people in the Bears nation very upset. But I think they're going to improve this week. <clears throat> Trey, Sonia's saying you're muffled on the, in the chat room. I don't I don't hear that, but maybe I'm – maybe hell, maybe I'm muffled. I don't know. But uh, – Anyway, you're picking the Packers. I'm picking the Packers in this game. Then the next game, which could be interesting since uh, Mark Sanchez is maybe the quarterback of the Eagles, the Panthers 3-5-1 and one, going on the road to Philadelphia. And I think this has to be, and you tell me if I'm wrong, Trey, this has to be a must win for the Carolina Panthers if they want any shot of, you know, making a season out of this because New Orleans is starting to get hot now, and I just don't see the Panthers going in that direction that I think they can make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that division, the Panthers, is a mess. I mean, so there is a, actually a possibility that a team with an under 500 record wins it. I mean, so I don't think they're out of it if they lose. That tie still hurts pretty bad. Uh, but Sanchez playing quarterback, I mean, even, even though they're at home, Tarvin, does anybody feel confident with that? The big thing with the Panthers this year is they have been gashed with the running with running the football. Uh, so I think this is finally the week when LaShawn McCoy and Darren Sproles really break out. I think Sanchez, I think Chip Kelly has to be more conservative with him and they and run the football more. If they do that, I think the Eagles win, Tarvin. But if they put the ball in Sanchez's hand 40 times, I think the Panthers are going to upset them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think Chip Kelly is smart with it and pick the Eagles at home. But i got to tell you, if we see Sanchez throwing the ball around a lot, I think the Panthers upset him. Well, I think the one thing I respect about Chip Kelly is he doesn't have a system or an offense. He he actually, whatever quarterback he has is what he calls his plays and the strength around it. I, I don't have any faith in Carolina right now. And it's funny, the fool's out there blaming all this on Cam Newton. And it's just he doesn't have anything in front of him. He doesn't have an offensive line. He has one good receiver, and he's a rookie. The defense, losing Hardy and some other players, they're just not as strong. I mean, Luke Keekley can't do everything. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind Philadelphia wins this game. I mean, I'm going easy. Philadelphia at home, it's going to be probably a 14-point game, Trey. All right. Well, the next one, Tarvin, 49ers on the road against the Saints. At home in the Dome, both teams need a win, Tarvin. I'll tell you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm pulling the upset here. The Saints are about a five-point favorite. I think the 49ers, I just like. Um, they've been so up and down this year. The offense actually looks decent at times and completely inept at others. I think this is one of their upswings. They seem to play each week differently. They were bad last last time they played. I think they're good this time, and I think the Saints lose at home. 49ers on the road. Wow, I think the Saints take care of business. There's a there's a lot of issues going on right now in San Francisco. The locker room, uh, Harbaugh, the the management there, there's a lot of strife, Trey. And this is not something you fix with a quarterback like Colin Kaepernick running your team. There's no shot, I think, with with his leadership to be able to come in and win on the road against Drew Brees. And the Saints are not a great team. I'm not trying to sell you on the Saints, but I'm just trying to let you see there's a big issue going on. Anytime San Francisco is a five-point underdog with the talent they have on this team, there's some issues there. You have to look at that. I like Drew Brees in New Orleans getting it done. And remember, Trey, the kickoff of this game is 1 o'clock Eastern. 
that's like 10 o'clock in the morning in San Francisco. So I like the Saints. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great point. Uh, I totally could be wrong about that. They're, they've been a pendulum all year long, and so I just see them swinging. We'll see. Um, regardless, I think Kaepernick has good numbers. But uh, the Chiefs, Tarvin, on the road, 5-3. and three. Uh, at the Bills, who are surprisingly at 5-3, and three, uh, Kyle Orton has been a very good change of pace over uh, E.G. Emanuel. Uh, I'll tell you, no matter how cold, it's not going to be cold enough, Tarvin, for the Chiefs to lose this game. I think the Chiefs on the road, the Bills are playing better, Tarvin. I think the Chiefs are just a better football team. Jamal Charles uh, gets it done. The Chiefs have to find a way to get a receiver with a touchdown, and I think maybe they will find it today, or excuse me, this weekend for the first time. I agree. I, li- I like the Chiefs in this game. Uh, I can't in good conscience sit here and say that Buffalo is going to win a game. I know they're home, but I like this Kansas City team. They, I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. I like Andy Reid. I like this team. So we're on the same page in this one, Trey. So take us to our number one game. Uh, the number one football game we picked this week, Carvin, the Dolphins, as Cujo Barks in uh, Carvin's background, uh, the Dolphins are 5-3. and three. Again, one of those AFC East teams that are surprisingly over 500, for me at least, uh, traveling on the road to the Lions, 6-2. and two. Oh, by the way, Calvin Johnson is back this week. He looks healthy in practice. Carvin, I, I think with Calvin Johnson back, the Lions have been playing well without Calvin Johnson, without Reggie Bush. Uh, I think this is their year, it seems to be. They're making a, a decent run. I see it continue. I just don't have confidence the Dolphins are going to make a run at this this thing. I think they're another inconsistent team. Uh, Lions at home, buddy. Seven and two. I'm, I'm, I'm picking Lions. I like them as well, Trey. So take us on to college. Give us a little preview while I try to shut this Cujo dog up. <laughs> All right. Well, college guys, uh, ten games on the books. There are six football games inside the top twenty-five. So this is a week uh, that if you have a Saturday. You don't have a whole lot to do. You probably want to sit down and watch football. Six of our ten games are ranked opponents against other ranked opponents. That's pretty exciting. So we know at least six ranked teams are going down. So we know there's going to be a shakeup in the top 25 of this college football playoff poll. Uh, but it's the, it's the ones outside of that that are probably, um, I think, maybe have the most ripening for a blowout. But we'll start with number 10, Tarman. Uh, a pick em game uh, for Tarman who loves the spread. Iowa at six and two are going on the road against Minnesota six and two. Both of these teams have struggled at times when you thought they may not. Um, Iowa's played some close games. Minnesota's played a lot of close games. This is really, I mean, Vegas calls it a pick'em tournament. I'm going with the home team, Minnesota at six and two. I think both of these teams don't play that great on the road, uh, and so I think Iowa traveling up to Minnesota. Uh, we're gonna, I think Kill and the Minnesota Gophers get it done very close, though. Yeah, Minnesota. If I remember correct, the last game they played, uh, they lost. They didn't. They didn't play well on the road. But I'm, I'm with you. Coming back home right here, getting ready for the stretch run. I mean, Minnesota has a chance to to have a great, great season. I like them to to win this game at home, Trey. I'm with you, buddy. Next game is. Um, I put this game on the schedule, Tarvin, because, you know, Marshall undefeated 8-0, still outside of the college football top 25. I think they were the big fear. Uh, but they're going on the road. <laughs> Southern Mets has been terrible this year, 3-6. and six. This is one of those games that who knows what Kelvin Cato and Marshall are going to do. 
I think they blow out Southern Miss. But I, I think I just I, I'll be honest. I don't think Marshall's that great of a football team. They're probably going to play in some sort of decent bowl, but they have no shot at the college football playoff. But they'll move on to nine and zero this week. Do you have a point spread on that game? The point spread, I do actually. I had I had it up a few seconds ago. I think it's I think it's like twenty. It's big. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, Marshall. We'll see Southern Miss. Not not the Southern Miss of old that people think about. You know, we saw them play Bama this year. They're they're not the same kind of team. Marshall wins with ease, Trey. Yeah, I'm pulling up the point spread now. Looks like it is fifteen and a half. Marshall's favorite. Yeah, I'd take Marshall in that game. So that'll move us on, Tarvin. I'm I'm also picking Marshall. Um Texas A and M, Tarvin, your Auburn Tigers are hosting the Aggies who are six and three. Auburn Tigers number three solidly right now in that final four, if you will. Tarvin, do you think your boys struggle at all this weekend at home? Well, I'll tell you, they better not. They they struggle in this game. It's it's going to upset the Auburn Nation. Needs a break. They need a week off to where they can they can be like Alabama was when they played A and M, fifty nine to nothing, something. But uh, look, if you look at A and M when they played Western teams, even Arkansas dominated them. And now, you know, they they got trounced by Mississippi State. They got they got crushed by Alabama. Uh, and they got crushed by Ole Miss. So the common denominator here is they're losing to teams better than them. And Arkansas should have beat them, Trey. Auburn is favored in this game, 23-and-a-half points. And I know some people look at that and yeah. well, that's a lot of points. But, but I'm telling you, this defense for A&M is piss poor. And the quarterback, the freshman, Allen, is not that good right now. Going on the road. I think Auburn covers the spread, Trey. I think they win this game with ease, and they look like the number three team in the country. I don't see Auburn having any problem in this game. I don't think there's much to talk about, honestly. I think A&M is – they've beaten terrible teams, and they've lost every game against a decent team. So um, they lose big, no doubt about it, in my mind. Um, I I think this is an easy Auburn win, buddy. I think you can rest easy. Well, Trey, Trey, I got a question for you, real quick. You know, the last couple of weeks, Auburn's defense has given up some yards. And what if A and M comes in after struggling against Louisiana Monroe and actually puts up four or five hundred yards on Auburn? I mean, you know, first time I'm okay, it's it's, it's okay. The second time I'm getting concerned. If Texas A and M comes in and puts up a lot of yards, I'm going to be very concerned with the Auburn defense. Yeah, and as you should. I mean, you're right. Louisiana Monroe really shut them down this past week and <laughs> it was a five-point game. I mean, so Louisiana Monroe, who, by the way, is not a quality, and they're a very low-level team this year. Um, if they can and you shut down Kyle Allen and that, that vaunted A&M offense, if you will, I think if Auburn were to give up a bunch of yards at home, I think that's a problem. I really do. Well, I have Wells under control now, so I'm ready to rock and roll. All right, Cujo, Cujo is attacking somebody else, and we'll move on to a different kind of attack, Carvin. The Pac-12, <laughs> uh, number 18, UCLA, 7-2, and two, traveling on the road to the Washington Huskies, who are still kind of finding their form under a new head coach. Carvin, uh, you give Washington I – I, I keep thinking they're going to beat somebody this year. I really do. They haven't done it yet, Carvin. Uh, but now you get the Huskies hosting these Bruins, who have been up and down, playing better. Uh, do you have the Huskies any shot against the Bruins? Mm, not, 
I mean, they have a shot because it's at home. But UCLA, the reason I like them, their defense is starting to really give some problems to some of these Pac-12 offenses. You saw it again last weekend in that second half, the way they shut them down. And I, I don't think they'll have any problem at all keeping Washington at bay. I just want to see more out of the UCLA offense. That's something that, besides once or twice this year, I haven't been very impressed with. I, I look for UCLA to play like a team that everybody projects them to be when we started this season. And UCLA, we talked about this earlier in the season, a very slow starting team. I mean, they did it last year. We saw them real struggle this year. They seem to be finding their form now. Uh, I think this game is going to be pretty close. Uh, however, Washington this year, this is not their year yet. I think they're going to be a team that we'll talk about in the Pac-12 in a year or two um, under Peterson. But this isn't the year. I think they're going to get real close against UCLA. But they've lost every team they've played who was ranked or was ranked at the time, if you will. Uh, and so I think they're going to lose again this game, Tarvin. But it should be fun to watch for a little bit. Yeah, I like UCLA. And the next game is is a huge game for the Pac-12. Trey, this could this game could almost spell. Just think of Notre Dame. We'll talk about that in a little while. What if what if Utah at home upsets the Oregon Ducks? Because I'm one of those people right now. When I when I look at the top four and Oregon's in there right now, losing at home as a twenty something point favorite to an unranked team at the time, I just have trouble with Oregon being at number four right now. And I, I believe Utah with that front they have the physical nature coming off a loss, I think this could crush the Pac-12's dreams for a team in the Final Four. Oh, and definitely, they definitely could. I mean, you talk about Utah's front four. I mean, people don't realize how good they are. They have guys who are NFL guys, and they're going to have guys who are going to play on Sundays for sure. Uh, They are number one in the nation's sacks. And Mariota in the past had problems with pass rush. A good pass rush has really frustrated Marcus Mariota. And this is a team that played – they kept Arizona State to 19 points. I mean, yeah, they lost last week, Tarvin, but they haven't given up a lot of points. I mean, this, you know, every team who's just come in with a vaunted offense, Washington State was one of those teams with Holiday before he got hurt, who was throwing for 700 yards against other people. You know, even they kept him to 28 points, 30 to UCLA. I mean, 28 to UCLA, uh, 23 Oregon State. USC only scored 21. I mean, they, they their defense is legitimate, Tarvin. Oregon's going to struggle for a long time in this game. I think they're going to give Mariota fits. Well, I think Mariota, if he comes out, you know, people have him top of the Heisman right now. He's putting up some great numbers. He's he's winning some games. If he goes on the road against Utah and puts up some game, you know, uh, Xbox numbers here, we could we could have the Heisman wrapped up right now. I mean, that, that's how much of a lead he has. But if they struggle, Trey. If Oregon stumbles and they lose, I mean, what are the chances that even if Arizona State went out, would you let them in the Final Four? Well, I mean, we'd have to see them play it out. I mean, Arizona State has a shot. I mean, any Pac-12 team that runs the table with one loss is going to have a shot. Um, But, you know, Arizona State right now is not a team that I think is there. I could. I mean, we'll see. Uh, But I'm not there yet. I mean, one of the crazy things, and I'll talk about this when we get – I guess I'll talk about it now, Tarvin. You know, Arizona State played Utah last week. Uh, football teams are 1-6 the week after they play Utah this year. So that should tell you right there what's playing Utah. And people don't expect that when I say that. You know, imagine that you play Utah, and the next week teams are 1-6. and six. 
they're getting beat up, Tarvin. They're getting that physical game is is impacting them. And Arizona State, you know, welcome. They played they played Utah last week. Welcome to the SEC, Trey. That's every week with a physical nature. And Utah, you play one team in that conference that's physical right now, and you can't even win the next week. What does that tell you? Uh, tell me they might be in trouble. Yeah, that's, I mean that's exactly that's a that's a thing people don't respect. They talk about the SEC, they run their mouth. But it's every week you're you're playing somebody, you're beat up. Look at Ole Miss against Auburn last week, Trey. They were they were beat to death when they came into that game. And and it's just gonna be hard for them. But Utah is a team you have to respect. I mean, the great coaching job there to get them where they are now. I like Utah, Trey, to win this game outright at home. I know they're an eight point underdog, but I like Utah to pull off the upset here and in Oregon's uh championship hopes. You know, I, I, I thought long and hard about this, and I, and I looked at all these records, and I looked at Utah, and, and they're at home. It's going to be about what? It's going to be 40-something degrees, maybe 45 to kick off. It's going to get colder. Mariota struggles. I mean, he's been good this year, Carvin. I have no problem with him being high in front runner right now. But the offensive line at Oregon hasn't been all that great this year, and, yeah, they have all the guys back healthy, mm-hmm. but this is going to be a test. and. I'm telling you, if, if you're a, if you're an SEC fan and you haven't stayed up for a Utah game, watch this one because you're going to see a front four that's pretty impressive. Uh, and I agree with you, Charlie. I'm pulling the trigger as well. Utah upsets Oregon. Well, well, remember this. This is November now, and this is when all the upsets start happening. This is, you know, we see it every year, Trey, the shakeup at the BCS. They, they came out and released their rankings, and every week it would just drastically change because, November is time to separate the men from the boys now. I mean, it's time. This is when your injuries are popping up. You see you see Bama, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU. You see all these teams with these bumps and bruises. Do you have depth? Are you good enough? And you made the best point of the night about Oregon's offensive line. Yeah, it, it appears they've gotten a little better, but who have they played really that can really challenge them? And this is a team. <laughs> We're going to find out how good that offensive line is for Oregon. And, Trey, that takes us to the number five game. This is the Big 12 show this weekend. If you love good football, this Big 12 conference has improved a lot. And they're on showcase this week. And this game has flown under the radar uh, because of Oklahoma losing and in, in the way Baylor lost. But Baylor goes to Oklahoma. I mean, this, is, this has huge implications. If you're Baylor, Oklahoma has a chance to save face, Trey. What do you see in this game? What are the keys to victory for Baylor? Oh, sorry, but I was on mute. The key for Baylor, they have to they have to play defense. Uh, Oklahoma has not been a great offensive team this year, but Baylor, you know, one of the things we talk about year in year out under Art Riles is can they actually stop somebody? And and you know, Trevor Knight hasn't been great. Uh, I came to all that uh, hoopla off from the Sugar Bowl. And we've seen him struggle. We've seen Oklahoma struggle to run the football, which is something that is frustrating. Um, their rush offense is 24th overall. Hasn't looked like that way in some of the games. Uh, rush defense, Tarvin, for Baylor, is 8th in the nation. They're actually decent at, at, at the rush. They're terrible against the pass at 57th. But you know who's worse? Oklahoma at 107th. I mean, can you imagine that, Tarvin, a Bob Stoops defense, 107th against the pass? Well, isn't it the same Oklahoma team that everybody at ESPN have them in the <laughs> Final Four? 
Oh, I yeah. mean, they talked about how great they were. They beat Bama. Oh, my God, Oklahoma's a class. But, yeah, I mean, they are terrible against the pass. I, I'll give them that. But Baylor's defense, Trey, I've watched them play. They're mm-hmm. not good. I mean, when they're at home, they're a much better team. But this week, mm-hmm. they're playing in Norman. I mean, I don't give Baylor a shot to win this game. I really don't. I know that sounds odd because they're playing Oklahoma. And you know my hate for the Oklahoma Sooners because how much hype they get. But, Trey, I, lo- I love Oklahoma in this game. Yeah, it's an 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff. So this is the first um, first part of the day. And that's one of the reasons I give Baylor so much a shot in this game. This is going to be a shootout. I, I don't see Oklahoma being able to stop uh, the Baylor offense. I think Baylor is going to have to at some point make a stop. Uh, I just think Trevor Knight makes a play. I think Oklahoma wins at Tarvin. But i got to tell you, uh, this is a flip of coin for me. And it's, I know it's a five-and-a-half-point spread, but I give Baylor a lot of shot, a lot of chances in this game because of how terrible Oklahoma has been against the pass. And so if Baylor can balance it out, I mean, there's a shot they can win this game. But Oklahoma, I agree with you, Tarvin, but I'm not real sure about that one. But it's huge. I mean, if Baylor, this will help TCU as well, and we'll discuss them in a minute. But if Baylor goes into Norman and takes care of business, this kind of makes that TCU mm-hmm. loss to Baylor not look as bad, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. This is one of the ones that if you're a if the Big 12 is really pushing for that fourth team in or whatever it may be, um, then you kind of want Baylor to win because, you know, Oklahoma is a two-loss team right here, and, you know, Baylor's got the the one loss. I mean, so you want them to be the ones who move on. Well, Trey, real quick, I'm gaining a lot of respect for the Big 12 conference. You know, I've, I've put them down. We've talked about them. But the more I've watched this season unfold, the more I realize how good this conference is, man. I don't, I don't think I've given them enough love or the respect they deserve. I mean, the defense could be better, but these teams are legit. I mean, they're they're deep conference. I like watching it play. So we're going to both take Oklahoma in this one. And and I'm not sure why you have this game number four. I think it should be higher. You have Ohio State. This is the Big Ten elimination game it could be, Trey. Michigan State at home. play at, oh, This is a revenge game against Ohio State. Michigan State took care of business in the Big Ten. 10 championship game last year. And remember, Ohio State, I mean, they haven't lost a regular season conference game since Urban Meyer's been there. Yeah, sounds, sounds great, Tarvin. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah are you yeah, telling wait. me Ohio State doesn't have a chance in this game? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, no, 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 I'm not saying they don't have a shot. I mean, they do. This is going to be a good football game. And I'll, I'll defend myself on why I put this game where I did. Um, I look at football and I look at, you know, I have two top ten games. Uh, the two, number one and number two, uh, are both teams inside the top ten playing each other. And that's always going to win out to me because it matters more globally when it comes down to the college football playoff. And then number three, I have, a, you know, I have what's the night game in LSU and, the number five team, the, the team that's right now the one out of the college football playoff on the road, and you know, a number a sixteen LSU. So I, that's how I came up with it, Tarvin. I thought okay. those three games were bigger when it came down to the football playoff, where you know Michigan State and eight and Ohio State at fourteen um, are still on the outside looking in from a little bit of ways. That's that's why I, I justified it the way I did. But I'll go ahead and tell you this, Tarvin, uh, about this football game. 
Ohio State's played nobody all year long. I mean, they've lost their best. The best team they played was a what a three and four Virginia Tech or something like that, <laughs> uh, and they got destroyed at home. Even though they've played absolutely no one, Carvin, they're fifty third in the nation offensively when it comes to passing the football and fourteenth in rushing. Fifty third, and they've played a bunch of you know NAIA teams. I mean, that's a problem, Tarvin. I think, and you know, because Michigan State's 15th in the nation in pass defense, and they had to play Marcus Mariota. Uh, I know they got beat a little bit on that game, but I think it's going to matter in this game playing JT Barrett. I, I think Michigan State wins this game, Tarvin, and I think they pull away in the fourth quarter. I, I just I think the defense is too good for Sparty. Uh, they're going to find a way. Well, I'll tell you one thing that concerned me. You know, I never had concerns. I, I like Michigan State all year long. You know, we talked about this game because if anyone's bashed Ohio State, it's me. And if anyone's given Michigan State praise, it's been me. Uh, but looking at it, Vegas opened this game up. And remember, this game is a Michigan State trade. Vegas opened this line up at two. So what they're telling me is on a neutral field, Ohio State is a better team than Michigan State. I don't know how they get this, what's going on in order, you know, for this line to be that low. But does that concern you a little bit that? that Michigan State's only a two-point favorite in their own backyard against a team that hasn't played a ranked team all year? Well, I, I really think people are buying into Ohio State, and, and we'll see. I'm, I'm not going to be in there. I think Vegas is buying into Barrett. They're buying into Ohio State because, you know, normally we've seen them struggle against cupcakes. Uh, we saw it last year, and they struggled against everybody. Um, and then when it mattered, they lost. And, and you know, we, this year they've been playing well against those cupcakes. Um, so I think maybe th- maybe this is a little bit of one of those you know uh, you know man behind the curtain things. We'll see. I mean we're gonna know about a lot about Ohio well, State because if they beat Michigan State, they got my respect. Well, Trey, I mean let's let's talk. Everybody's giving Michigan State a lot of love because they got their butt kicked by 20 points. I mean, what? Who is Michigan State beating this season that makes you say, "Wow, that's a great win"? I mean, just a great win by Michigan State. Who have they beaten? Oh yeah, I mean you're right. They their best. Their same thing as Ohio State. The best team they played, they got beat, and they got beat well. Um, and they don't have that signature win they really need. Uh, this this could be the start of that. Um, and that's why I have this ending as fourth, is because I think the winner here um, still isn't, uh, I don't even think, in the next level for the college football playoff. I think we're still outside. I think the Big Ten, that's where they are. I think they're still, you know, sort of on the front porch looking in the window. Well, Sonia, am I crazy? I'm going with Ohio State in the upset, the elimination game for the Big Ten. Ohio State wins this game, and the Big Ten doesn't get a team in the Final Four. Nah, Charlie, I can't even agree with that one. <laughs> 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 I can't even agree with that one, Charlie. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you to death. You know, you're one of my best friends. I love you to death, but no. Michigan State has been playing on all cylinders. Those guys, they have been waiting on this game. And Ohio State is Ohio State. Um, They, I don't know what the deal is with Ohio State. I really can't put it into words because you look at some of the talent that you see on that team, you look at the coaching, and you think, okay, this should come together. This should be very, very easy. But then I turn around and I'm like, you're struggling against Purdue. You're you're struggling against teams that, come on, like seriously. And then 
you letting other teams hang points on you, it's like, wait, dude, how did how did freaking Rice lay points on you? So I think that that Ohio State may want it, and they they've got it, they got the the heart to have it, but I think Michigan State wants it a lot more. So I say Sparty takes this one. Trey, are you going with Sparty? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I think I think this is in the fourth quarter. Um, I really don't know if this is going to be a watchable game in the fourth quarter. I think Sparty's going to pull away um, by a touch by a couple touchdowns. Well, I've been bashing them all year. I'm coming. I'm I'm joining forces with Urban Meyer, Urban Cryer, whatever you <laughs> want to call him, and and we'll see what happens. Again, I mean, it, it's hard when you've not been tested all season to finally play a team that's as physical as Michigan State. It's going to be a very entertaining game, but I'm sure Sonya. You'll be watching at that same time. You're Alabama Crimson Tide going on the road to Baton Rouge. Give us your thoughts on this game. Oh, it's going to be the same type of game. It's, it's going to be very, very physical. Anytime Alabama and LSU play, the first thing that you know, they're going to bring it. You're going to see, you're going to see some hard hits, and you're going to see some physical, you know, straight up bring your best ball. But when I look at it, and I look, you know, look at the numbers. I look at who they got, who we got, who's matching up. I'm looking at the fact that our secondary, we ain't allowing no points. No running back has, has gained over 100 yards, so they're going to have to go to the passing game. And Jennings can show up, and sometimes he can't. I got to go with my tide. I'm always going to go with my tide. But the one factor that you always have to factor in is a team that's playing for a reason. And because of Les Miles, you know, and, and, and our sympathy and condolences definitely out to Coach Miles and his family on the loss of his mother. And um, the very classless, classless act that some uh, members of the uh, Ole Miss fan base did in singing that, that terrible song, you know, these guys have a chip on their shoulder and they're playing, they're playing for something, they're playing for their coach. You always have to watch a team that's playing for a goal. So it's going to be a great game. I'm just thinking that Bama has the edge and, and we're going to pull it out, but it's going to be a tough one. Well, Trey, give us your thoughts on this, this epic matchup here. These are two teams that will knock your block off. I'm excited to see it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Sonia brought it up. Alabama is number two in the nation against the Rush. Um you know, that's been the strength of LSU. That's when they've won games. They've been on run football. They're 26th in the nation. Bama's been real balanced. I mean, Lane Kiffin, for all his, you know, weird Bama hate at times, is 23rd and 30th. He's very balanced and very good in the nation in offense. Yeah. Uh, Bama has, you know, been decent against the past defense. And so here's the thing, Tarvin. Where do we think LSU is going to actually outmatch Alabama? I just don't see it. I don't even know if this is going to be a football game in the fourth quarter. LSU... I agree with Sonia. They're playing. This is their season. And LSU seven and two. They're not going to the playoff. The best they can do is one of the the large outlier bowls. Um, and so this is their season. They ha- they have to beat Bama to make something of this year. Um, and so that is dangerous. But I just don't see them matching up anywhere that is good for them against Alabama. I mean, quarterback for them. I don't give any nods. You know, I mean, the secondary maybe. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe they can force Blake Sims into some errors. And that's about the only way I see this going down, Tarvin, is if they can force yeah. three and four Blake Sims turnovers, they have a shot. If not, I don't think this is a game. 
I totally agree with Trey, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the, the test. We, we've seen Alabama struggle at Arkansas. We've seen them struggle at Ole Miss a little bit. So this is going to be a lot more a lot more hostile environment. But the thing I see is each game they played on the road, they've gained something out of it, Alabama has. They've learned from their mistakes. They move right. on. But when I watched Auburn and LSU – you know, I saw a team that, that really didn't have any balance. I mean, they're young on defense, and Auburn beat them 41-7. to and, and they got hot right now at the right time. But I think now they're playing a team in Alabama that's, you know, they're right on the cusp of that final four. I just don't think LSU's balanced enough to be able to beat them. I don't think they can run the ball against Alabama. I don't think they can throw the ball against Alabama. And I don't see Alabama turning the ball over a lot. So, not a good recipe. I think Alabama covers that six-point spread. I think it's going to be a good game, a hard-fought game. But in the fourth quarter, you're going to see Amari Cooper. You're going to see Sims make some big plays and break the back of LSU. I don't see LSU scoring over about nine points on you. I totally agree with you, too, Tarvin. <laughs> but the one thing, too, now, like when you saw Auburn and out, when you saw Auburn and LSU, you saw a team that was, okay, let's be honest. Whenever Les is play calling, LSU screws up. That man cannot play call. Just let him stand on the sidelines with a headset, make sure it's off. Long as he ain't playing, no, calling no plays, they're fine. But when Les gets involved in play calling, all of a sudden things go awry. He's a great recruiter, great mouthpiece, you know, can, can sell ice to Eskimos but he is not a great play caller. He really needs to just let his offensive coordinator do his job. When he gets involved, That you see you know, what happened at Auburn. Plus, LSU, they've got a great defense. You know, Their defense has always been great. But when you've got an offense like Auburn, and Auburn was on fire that night. So mm-hmm. you've got Auburn just, just running, clicking on all cylinders, bringing it, LSU couldn't do that. They they just couldn't they couldn't stand up to that. And that's the way you beat LSU. You have to overwhelm them from the start. Mississippi State did the same thing. Prescott, boom, they hit the ground running. It was like boom, boom, we're hitting you. You don't know if we're gonna pass. You don't know if we're gonna run. But either way, you're not gonna stop us. They overwhelmed them. That is how you have to do shock and awe to beat LSU. That's just the way it is. Yep. But, yeah, but but if, but but if they hang around, you better watch out. There you go. <laughs> so it's one of those, yeah, I think Bama, Bama wins. I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be like, you know, a cupcake game or anything like that. But I think the first quarter will tell us. You know, if Bama comes out and they're they're pulling the shock and awe, that means that Saban took a page from Malzahn's playbook and, you know, and, and uh, Mullins and is just going to hit them, hit them hard, hit them fast, just wear them out. Or we could see, you know, a little more strategic. It just really depends. But I think it's it's going to be a great game. I think Bama wins it. I think LSU is going to continue to improve. But they they really got to do something with that O line. Yeah, some good points, Sonia. Thanks for joining us tonight. We all the panel picked the Crimson Tide of Alabama. I don't think it's going to be that close. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just don't. I, I think people are overhyping this game a little bit, Trey. Um, at the end of the day, Alabama should win this game and win it convincingly, actually. Yeah, I, I just don't see LSU matching up very well in this game. I really don't. All right, we got seven minutes. We got to get rolling. Notre Dame, 
uh, big game for them. A lot of people are talking about Notre Dame having a shot, you know, at making the Final Four. I just don't think they're good enough, Trey. They go to Arizona State. I think Arizona State takes care of business in this game. I think it's going to be close, but I think Arizona State pulls it out at the end. I think they win at home. That game, I wish it was a night game, but it's not. Yeah. The two most interesting things about this game that really make me scratch my head is, as I told you, Arizona State's coming off Utah. Teams coming off Utah are 1-6 and six this season. Navy played uh, Navy last week, Tarvin. You know what team's record coming off a Navy game are? Two and six. Undefeated. I mean, okay. Yeah, and then two and six. I mean, so teams playing Navy have really struggled the next game because of the adjustment to the way of the Navy offense. And so you're gonna. I think both teams are gonna start off real flat in this game, Tarvin. Uh, the big telling fact to me is the 84th ranked defense of the the Arizona uh, State Sun Devils. They, they play real bad against the rush. I think. They're going to have a lot of success running the football in Notre Dame is. And Golson's going to go over the top. I think Notre Dame's wins this game and that Utah game right before this is really part of the reason why. I think Arizona State, that front line, uh, just are going to be giving up way too much in the rushing game. They're going to be getting gashed. I think Notre Dame upsets them. I think you may be right here, Trey. I mean, every time you pick against Notre Dame, uh, do in a close point spread, they end up winning the game. And, and you know, they're beat up from Utah. Imagine what Notre Dame's going to do to them. Notre Dame's a physical team, too, with Brian Van Gorder calling. I know Notre Dame's down a linebacker, a starting linebacker, but if they get, if mm-hmm. Arizona yeah. State gets consistent play from their quarterback, which that's something you never know with Arizona State, they could beat Notre Dame pretty good. But I don't know. Do you think Notre Dame could get into the playoffs if they went out? I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're at 10th right now. I know they re- they rethink everything every week, but they got to win a lot of these games convincingly, I think. It, it helps that Arizona State, that the committee thinks they're better than Notre Dame right now at number nine. That helps, um, but we'll see. I, I just I, I don't know if this is going to be a real clean game. Well, their number one game is you, – you nailed this one, number one game. TCU, Kansas State. To me, this is probably for the Big 12 championship. I don't, I don't see anybody that could beat TCU. Maybe Texas could sneak up at the end of the season um, in a rival game like that. But Kansas State is a six-point underdog on the road. It's a 7:30 Eastern kick. I mean, isn't it hard to put Snyder an underdog going at, on the road to TCU, especially after a road game? The emotions they had to pull out last week to beat West Virginia. I mean, could TCU be a little flat in this game? I think it's possible. Anytime you have an emotional win, a lot of times they're just coming back flat. It's really helpful they're at home, though. I mean, I really um, – I think that's a big emphasis here is that, that Kansas State is coming in. Um, but, I mean, you know, Bill Snyder has done some miracles this year with Kansas State. I mean, it's really hard to, to pick against him. Yeah, and, and, you know, you know, this Auburn fans are Kansas State fans right now. You know how it works, your strength of schedule, your opponent's common opponents. I mean, if if we're talking about a one-loss Auburn team at the end of the year with a one-loss TCU team, how important is this game in the eyes of the committee? Well, I, I think it's pretty important. I mean, Kansas State, obviously, with the fact that they have only a loss to Auburn right now, I think if they keep winning, they're going to be in. I mean, they have a real good shot to be in. Um, then, you know, a victory over Kansas State is going to be big for TCU. I mean, TCU has to improve defensively, I think, to have a real shot. I mean, Tarvin, they're 68th against the pass. It's 41st against the rush. TCU is. 
Uh, so they got to improve on that, I think, to win this football game where Kansas State has been real good against the rush. So this is kind of one of those interesting matchups, and I think TCU is going to have to really improve on defense because Kansas State kind of grinds it out. Yep. That, that's exactly how I see this game going. I see it being a four-quarter game, but I see Kansas State pulling it out at the end because they they make less mistakes, Trey. They don't get the penalties. They don't get the turnovers. And going on the road, if you want to win, you have to, you can't turn the ball over and you can't make a lot of penalties. And I think this is a perfect setup for Kansas State to, to win this game. This doesn't mean they win the Big 12 because they still have two brutal road games left after this game. So Kansas State has to win here to keep their hopes alive, Trey, and I think they do. I think they knock off Gary Patterson and TCU for the reasons you said, the defense of TCU. Yeah, I mean, I, good pick, Tarvin's a great pick. Um, however, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead Corso not so fast here. I think Travon Boykin, who threw for 433 yards and you know put up 82 points against Texas Tech, I, I really think that that offense is going to give them problems. Kansas State, 53rd in the nation against the pass. TCU's sixth against uh, for the pass. I think that's going to be the strength on weakness here, and we're going to see uh, that be the real difference. Plus, uh, you know, Waters and the quarterbacks of Kansas State uh, have been inconsistent of late, uh, and that, that that causes me a little concern. Uh, I don't. What I don't like about picking against Kansas State is they don't turn the ball over, and they seem to play very smart, disciplined football. And I think that is the key to beat TCU. So I think this is a pick on Tarvin, but I'm going to go with the home team and the hot quarterback. Well, I think I think we offended Brian Burgess on his, uh, you know, Elmer Fudd on our show here. He didn't like my comment about what I made about Alabama LSU not being a, a game. And sorry, buddy, I, I just don't think it's going to be. So, but, but but please don't call me dumb on my own wall, or you won't be in the group anymore. But uh, but Trey, I do like Kansas State in this game, man. What did Sonya pick? Did she pick anything in the chat room on this one? Uh, I, don't no, I don't see that think- one. All right, well, after this week, I think we're going to have a a clearer picture of, of which conferences, you know, have a chance. Because some people say a Big 12 team won't make it. Some people say a, a Big 10 team, Big 12, Pac-12. Trey, this could be a huge shakeup in the, in the standings here this week to where, you know, a couple of conferences could eliminate themselves from the Final Four just this weekend. And we're just starting November. Oh, yeah, and we've seen this time and time again with the BCS. We're going to see it with the college football playoff. We're going to see teams uh, that look real good and, and, and blow it when they come down to the pressure of having to win one more game or, or two more games or whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, teams like TCU, Kansas State, we've seen teams like that struggle before. You know, we've seen Oregon blow it. We've seen Alabama shine at this moment. Uh, I'm not total Mississippi State. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we're going to figure out in the next couple of weeks. All right, bud. Well, we'll see you Sunday night. We'll be on live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and I hope everybody has a good week. God bless. Take care. Trey, have a great week, buddy. See you, bud.